0: Why don't we go ahead? Um, we are on the Heidelberg Catechism. Um, this morning we're looking at 108 and 109. Uh, why don't we kind of recite that together? I'll read the question and we'll recite together the answer. Uh, what does the seventh commandment teach us? That all chastity. Is cursed. Question 109, does God forbid nothing more in this commandment than adultery and such gross sins? All right, so it's it's been a really long time since we were in Heidelberg Catechism. I can't re- remember when it was. Was that it? Last, fall. last fall? That's pretty long. <laughs> okay. Um, so where did we leave off in the Heidelberg Heidelberg Catechism? At one o seven. Oh uh, man, you got me. You got me. Yeah. Yeah, but what what section are we in? The Ten Commandments, yes. Uh, Pastor Brett covered the Sixth Commandment last time, and I'll get to why that's important later. Uh, but this morning we're covering, uh, in my opinion, uh, one of the more difficult ones, the Seventh Commandment, adultery. Uh, so let me just state up front what our main idea is this morning And then I'll tell you where we're going. And it's this. Adultery not only breaks the union between a man and a woman, but also the union between God and man. I'll say that again. Adultery not only breaks the union between a man and a woman, but also the union between God and man. Uh, So so our outline is very simple. We're going to look at what what marriage is and what adultery is. Uh, Say... Say I was an unbeliever, right, and, and, I'm, and I just walked up to you and, 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 and I knew you were a Christian and I said, you know, you Christians keep talking about adultery and how, how we shouldn't be doing it, you know, what is that and why is it so bad? How would you begin to answer that question?
1: Good. God is faithful
0: to his people mm-hmm.
1: once he loves and so we're to be like him
0: good good
1: we're unfaithful we become unlike him when we lie about
0: who he is okay anybody else? adultery? What, what it, well, let's spitball a little bit What what is adultery? and why is it so bad?
1: it's bad because it's breaking the covenant that a man has with his wife
0: okay oh, Anything else? Well, I I think um, we have to begin to, uh, if we're going to begin to wrestle with that question, we have to really begin with marriage, right? Uh, Because marriage gives us the context of what adultery is. Uh, if If we don't understand marriage, what it is, then we can't actually understand what The significance of adultery is. Uh, So the first question we really have to ask is, what is marriage? And, you know, we live in a fallen world, especially in this time of human history. That question is more pertinent than ever. uh, Because just think about what's going on in our our society, in our culture, right? Our understanding of marriage as a culture is ever-changing. Uh, marriage is being redefined to mean whatever you want nowadays. Uh, marriage can mean a lot of things, uh, but marriage is no longer a God-ordained relationship to many people. Uh, marriage can be between a man and a man, a woman and a woman. Uh, what What is that thing? I um, forget that joke. Uh... Marriage is between Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, that one? Mm-hmm. I, I, anyways, um, that, that's, that's not true in, in our culture uh, anymore, is it? Uh, anything goes, and I won't even go where other people are trying to take marriage, right? Multiple wives, husbands, and um, non-human marriages, that's, weird things are happening there. Uh, anyways, the latest research at the National Associ- Association for Relationship and Marriage Education, that's a mouthful, wish they had a, an acronym for that one, uh, they tell us that 50% of all marriages end in divorce or separation. Like, that's staggering. That's a staggering number. Super depressing. Uh, it's no wonder uh, that so many young people are disillusioned when it comes to marriage. You know, my cousin. A couple years ago, you know, he we were having a conversation about marriage, and uh, for him, it was just like marriage is nothing but signing a piece of paper or having a ring on your finger, you know, and it it doesn't really reflect how you feel about somebody. And um, but I, I think that's a dangerous way to think about what marriage is, and and the Bible tells us that. Marriage is so much more than signing a piece of paper or um, wear, wearing a wedding ring. Uh, so here's the first thing I want to say about marriage. Marriage is a covenantal commitment between a man and a woman. Uh, Gary, you said that word earlier, covenantal, right? Uh, what is a covenant It's like a contract, okay? Good. Anybody else?
1: It's an agreement cut in blood with stipulations and promises. Oh, man. And curses.
0: Ooh. Each, each side. Jeff went really, really biblical. Yeah, no, that's 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 good. That's good. Um, where do we see that?
1: We <laughs> see that in Genesis 18? I think it was for sure. With the split animals.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. At its basic meaning, it's, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a relationship, like, um, uh, it's a relationship between two parties, right? Okay. Um, and
1: promises being
0: made by both. Right. And we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. When do we first encounter uh, marriage in the Bible? Two yes. Uh, let's let's turn there. Uh, we first learn it in Genesis two, a verse beginning in verse eighteen through twenty four. Let's let's go ahead and turn there so we can start reading. Charlie, would you like to read that section? Sure. Thanks.
1: To all the livestock, and to the birds of the heavens, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept,
0: So, what was Adam doing in this passage and before he you know he he was put into a deep sleep by the Lord, what was he doing huh he was naming the animals, but what was going on there yeah, he was looking for a helper right he was looking around in the in the in, in the jungle maybe, I, I don't know, in, in the animal world, right? And he's looking for a helper fit for him. Um, it's it's really a, a strange language if you think about it, right? Uh, some traditions have seen this, like Adam was courting the animals, right? Uh, it sounds like Adam is dating around, seeing if one of them matched him. Uh, but we're told that Adam could not find one Uh fit for him as a helper, right? Uh, as an aside, uh, that, that word helper there is not a word of inferiority or, or subordination. It's often uh, a word ascribed to the Lord, right? So it, it's a powerful word, um, especially in the Psalms. Uh, here are a few of my favorites. Uh, Psalm 70 Verse 5, But I am poor and needy. Hasten to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. O Lord, do not delay. Uh, Psalm 146, 5. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Uh, Anyways, Adam was looking for a helper fit, and he couldn't find one. Um, It wasn't until God put him in a deep sleep... Uh, did Adam find a helper? Uh, what, what did God do after He He put Adam into a deep sleep? Took, out one of his ribs. took took out one of his ribs. What did He do with the rib? Did He, he it into a woman. ah? He fashioned it into a woman, uh, into a being, uh, made in Adam's likeness, huh? Um, and what does he do? He, God brings this, this woman made from Adam's rib to Adam. right? I mean, what, what does that sound like to you? Here, here's God taking, taking Adam, and he, he, he makes uh, a woman, uh, a creature that's fit for Adam, and then he brings it to him. What does that sound like? Man, that's, that's a beautiful picture, right? Um, I, yeah, like I, I like how one writer said it. God himself, like a father of the bride, leads the woman to the man. And That's, that's a wonderful picture. Um, God, God is the one who gives the marriage, right? I mean, think about that. That's a powerful thing. Adam didn't earn it. He didn't do anything, in fact. He was, he was sleeping. Uh, he was dead asleep, and so how did how did Adam respond to to God uh, giving him this gift? I mean, what does he, what does he do? What does he say, Thomas? What does Adam say? Does he say? Okay, good. Yeah, he says, finally, you know, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. You know, that that creature over there, or those creatures over there, they, they're not like me. But this one, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And that's actually covenantal language. Uh, Adam is not just saying, you know, this woman, this creature is just like me. That's not just what he's saying. Uh, he... He's not just saying we share in the same humanity. Uh, What Adam is saying is he's expressing a type of loyalty to her, right? Uh, This language of bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Uh, Israel used the same language when they were swearing allegiance to David uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 5. Uh, Let's quickly turn over there. 2 Samuel chapter 5. And we'll look at the first three verses. Uh, Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, Behold, we are your bone and flesh. Uh, In times past, when Saul was king over us, it was you who led out and brought in Israel. And the Lord said to you, You shall be shepherd.'" Of my people, Israel, and you shall be prince over Israel, so all the leaders of Israel came to the king of Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. see Israel, like Adam and Eve, uh, like Adam to Eve, was expressing their loyalty uh, to David you know we we are yours, right we we um, we are like you, um, and that's why shortly afterwards they they took him as their king, uh, very similar to the marriage of Adam and Eve and part of the you know this this imagery really is is you know one flesh and another flesh being united together um, that's why. Uh, part of the passage we read in Genesis 22 says, uh, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Right? Uh, part of that one flesh union uh, entails great intimacy between a man and a woman. Uh, it's, marriage is meant to be the most intimate human relationship we can have. Right? Uh, think about the imagery of that union. If a man and a woman getting together naked isn't intimate, right? I, I don't know what is. That's, that's the most intimate connection you can have as human beings. Uh, and marriage provides that for us. Um, uh, the Bible uses the language of the man and the woman knowing each other. Uh, for this deep intimacy, you know, at at the height of their sexual intimacy. Uh, Genesis 4, verse 1, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. Uh, That's really interesting, isn't it? Uh, That the Bible would use the word, um, no, right? Adam knew Eve. For, for the sexual union that they had. Um, because it reflects back to that one flesh image, right? Um, two, two people being united together is, is going to be a constant uh, constant direction of of knowing one another. That union is deepened more and more as they... They know one another, right? That's why I like that word, uh, know there, instead of, you know, just they sexually uh, uh, came together or something like that. Uh, Here's another thing about marriage. The world might not believe it, and sometimes we don't believe it uh, because marriage can be so hard in this broken world. Uh, But marriage is given for our joy and our happiness, Right, It's not... God doesn't give us marriage to, to restrain us and to, and to make us a bunch of grouches, right? Uh, God gives it to us for our, our enjoyment and liberation. Uh, I think we all know this verse from Proverbs 18. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord... Men, husbands here, right? Amen, right? Uh, my wife is, is my better half. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly enjoying our relationship. Um, I think we as husbands need to remember that our marriage is, is for joy, and we need to fight for that joy um, as we live together in one. Um, and also think of the end of Genesis 2, that passage that we read. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed, right? Marriage gives us that, that freedom to be who we are, naked before the other and, and not ashamed, right? There's no other relationship that gives us that. Um, and that's part of the joy that we take, is that we get to be fully open to one another. That's a beautiful thing. Uh, it, it, it communicates freedom and, and joy to be who we are. Uh, but, but with that said, are there any responsibilities to marriage? Yes. Yes. The, the simple answer, yes. Like like what? Taking out the trash, doing dishes. Uh, this all started
1: with defining marriage as, as a covenant. Yeah.
0: That's good stuff. Yeah.
1: Um, so
0: that's just one thing nice. Can can somebody be like really practical? What, what some of, what are some of your responsibilities? Um, I mean even you single single um, guys and gals, you know, like to
1: provide, provide necessities for your family, love them, protect them. Yeah.
0: Oh man, I think he's going where I'm going. Yeah, that's that's good. Um yeah yeah awesome yeah that's that's definitely where I'm going uh you know the world wants a duty free kind of marriage um there's even things like open marriages how many of you have heard of that what is that what's what's an open marriage uh, waiting to happen. yes absolutely but what what is it yeah that's that's just crazy right like I'm married to you but like we can we can sleep with other people we can do whatever we want right?
1: It and ironic. It's like dry water.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. Um, but that that's not what marriage looks like in the Bible. Right? Marriage is 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 full of responsibilities, not responsibilities to To restrain us, but to liberate us. Um, Exodus 21, right? Um, It it gives us several responsibilities uh, to men: Uh, food, clothing, and sex. Uh, Pastor Brett uses three Ps there: provision, protection, and progeny, right? As as husbands, that's our calling is to, to provide those things, right? Provision, protection, and progeny. Uh, and for the man to, to neglect to provide such things means he has abandoned the marriage. He's essentially saying, I, I don't want to be married to this person anymore. And, and uh, God takes that very seriously. And he, he protects uh, the woman, um, from a neglectful man uh, that 's not to say that it doesn 't also involve the responsibility of 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 faithfulness, right both man and women are, are called to be faithful right? at, the, at the heart of it that's that's um, that 's what marriage is about is faithfulness it's it 's a demonstration uh, a reflection of of um, what God is like to us. And I guess I guess that gets me to my next subpoint here. Um, you know, as wonderful as marriage is, it, it points to something bigger. Uh, what, do you, what do you think I'm talking about there? What bigger thing does marriage point us to? Rex? The
1: marriage between Christ and the church.
0: Yeah, where do we find that?
1: Ephesians
0: 5. Ephesians 5. Yeah, nice. Let's turn over there. Ephesians 5, we'll, we'll read verse 28
1: through 33. You got to add another P to your, your protection, provision, progeny. Uh-huh. Perseverance.
0: You hear that, Pastor Brett? I did. Perseverance, that's good. No,
1: because we're, we're held to be accountable to God for our lives and to our lives for our lives as well. Yeah. And Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely, that's good. So, does anybody want to read Ephesians 5, verse 28 um, through 33? One of the Etheridge boys I see wants to read.
1: History is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband.
0: Thanks, Thomas. Um, you know, marriage is meant to reflect the relationship between Christ and his church, his bride. Uh, what's the overlap there between marriage, between a man and a woman, and Christ and his church? Rex? There, yeah, there's, you see that one, one, one flesh imagery, right? As, as a man and a woman come together, one flesh, so Christ and his church are one flesh, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and we find Paul using uh, the same kind of language, uh, you know, Christ uniting himself to the church uh, and in other places in, in his epistles as well. Uh, this is Romans 12, verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Second uh, Corinthians 11, verse 2. For I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure version to Christ. Um, Do we find anything like that in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Bible? Do we find anything like that? Or is that just in the New Testament? Christ uniting himself to Israel? Okay where where do we where do we see that?
1: When he talks about a
0: he Sounds like we're we're going through Jeremiah huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, of, of course it's it's uh Jeff
1: Oh it's 16. Ooh, nice. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, the Old Testament is just full of language like that uh, when it comes to God and his people. I uh, pick up on Jeremiah here. Uh, Jeremiah 2, verse 1. Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. Thus says, Yahweh, I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness in a land not sown. So there, according to Jeremiah, Yahweh married Israel when he brought her out of Egypt. Uh, I think the second commandment, uh, you know, we're looking at the Ten Commandments. The second commandment in particular tells us this, at least hints at it, uh, where it says, For I, Yahweh your God, am a jealous God, right? Um, how, How does that kind of picture for us? That marriage relationship between Yahweh and, and Israel. That God is a jealous God.
1: Well, God would have nothing to do with her unfaithfulness. He got so bad that he gives her Israel a uh, certificate of divorce. Okay. She was so unfaithful to
0: Yeah. What does it mean that God is a jealous God? Jeff? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, you know, there's there's a good kind of jealousy and a bad kind of jealousy, right? And we often just think it's just a bad kind of jealousy. Um, the the husband who who won't let his wife out of his sight because he's he's jealous that somebody else is you know is is gonna look at her or something like that, like. That's a bad kind of jealousy, and, and it's restraining. Uh, but when it says God is a jealous God, it's the good kind of jealousy. It's the husband who's zealous for his wife, uh, zealous for the faithfulness of his wife, and he will do what it takes to, to uh, be a good husband to her. He, he cares for her. So there's that imagery, right? Right. Um, and, you know, there's, there's so many other places, like Ezekiel 16 and, um, and, and, and others, that tell us that Yahweh married his people. Uh, this is all to say that God has, has always intended to have this marital relationship with his people, uh, so that we might be spiritually united to him. And so... Um, If if marriage takes a man and a woman and makes them one flesh, what do you think adultery is about? In that context, what is adultery then? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Adultery in light of of what marriage is, um, you know, Man and a woman becoming one flesh? Adultery is that unholy severing of a man and a woman. Uh, What kind of imagery is that? What does it sound like to you? It's like splitting a man, uh, the one flesh. A cutting. A cutting. It's so like splitting wood. <laughs> is this like a, a soft kind of image imagery? Well, what is it? It's violence. It, it sounds life-threatening. I mean, you're cutting, you're severing a, a one flesh union. Right? That's, what does that sound like? It's yeah, it's a bloody image, right? It sounds like murder, doesn't it? It sounds like death. It sounds like the Sixth Commandment. You know, I wonder why the Seventh comes after the Sixth. Right? You shall not murder. You know, adultery is familial murder. It's, it's, it's to take a marriage and kill it. Right? That's why it's so, it's so devastating. And that's why we as Christians are zealous to maintain uh, marriage as a holy institution and, 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 and proclaim to the world that adultery is, is a devastating thing. Uh, Jesus really gets to the heart of adultery. I'm kind of running out of time. Um, you know, just in case we think we can get away with this commandment. Uh, yeah, I didn't sleep with another person's spouse. What does this have to do with me? Uh, Jesus internalizes this commandment, um, and, you know, along with others in, in his discourse uh, on that mountain in Matthew 5, uh, where he says this, You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away; for it is better that you lose one of your members that uh, than that your whole body be thrown into hell you see jesus Jesus is interested in the internal work of God in this commandment it's not just about not not sleeping with another person's spouse. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's about what's in your heart. Adultery begins in the heart. Um, I mean, and by the way, is this commandment just for men? No, right? Uh, I think we, the world often thinks that, that adultery is just for men, but it's for both. It's for men and women. Um, is it just for married people? No, uh, the Heidelberg Catechism says it's, it's it's for singles as well, right? Uh, and and what, is, what does that all lead to? What is what is adultery at the height of it? What does it lead to? Death. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, we said death, but like separation. Separation, right? What do we call that? Yeah, yeah, it's it's when it's when that that um, severing becomes official, right? Just like when a marriage uh, becomes official, when when you know the ceremony takes place, the divorce becomes official. It's it's an official severing of that relationship. Um, but what about our marital relationship with God, right? What does adultery look like on that level?
1: It's a
0: denial of the faith. It's a denial of the faith, it looks yes. looks like the first commandment. What's the first commandment? Having other gods before Yes, yes. It looks like idolatry, right? It looks like having idols, whether that's things that we make with our hands or things that we treat as gods in our hearts. Um, Ezekiel 23, we're running out of time here. Um, for they have committed adultery, and blood is on their hands. With their idols they have committed adultery, and they have even offered up to them for food the children whom they had born to me. That's atrocious, isn't it? Um, and we see this, this idolatry, this uh, idolatry slash adultery... Uh, Early on in the history of God's people, Um, early on, God's people already put themselves out there. You know, they walked a block and and they were looking for other lovers. Um, As Moses was receiving the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, he left. You know, remember that? He left for like 40 days. He was on top of that mountain. Um, What happened when Moses came down from the mountain? You know, what did he encounter the people doing? Celebrating Correct? the calf. Yeah. Celebrating the calf. Yeah. I think they were doing more than celebrating, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, here's, this, here's Israel, just brought out of Egypt, the land of bondage. Um, they were brought out to be the bride of Yahweh, their God. Uh, they're at the foot of Mount Sinai, waiting for Moses. And, and you know, you you wait that long, you you grow in, impatient. And so they grew impatient. They said to Aaron, "You know, uh, get get up, make us make us gods that we shall uh, go before us." Uh, you know, as for Moses, that man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, uh, we we don't know what's happened to him, and and. And can you can you do something about it? Can you can you make us uh, make us gods? Um, Aaron, uh, their leader, there happily obliges and makes them uh, take off all their gold jewelry, and, and then he makes a golden calf for them to worship. Right, uh, that's that's a frightening picture. Your leader, right, encourages you to take off all your gold, and he, he makes an idol for you to worship, right? It uh, shows you even, even leaders can, can falter. And so with, with all that, um, do we have any hope? <laughs> you know, all of us are, as Calvin said, our hearts are f- factories of, of, what is it? We Idle we factors. Idol factories, there you go. Um, do we have any hope if, if we're in, in one way or another idolaters, right? Yes. What is our hope, Charlie?
1: Yeah. This whole life without unchast actions, gestures, words, thoughts, desires, or anything of the sort.
0: He's the perfect bridegroom. Bride yeah. Well, I can't say it any better than that. Uh, I don't want to steal Pastor Brett's thunder, um, uh, you know. As he's, should I steal it? Yeah, I should steal it because uh, Jeremiah is pretty awesome, right? Um, what happened in Jeremiah uh, so far? You know, God has sent Jeremiah to indict Israel for her unfaithfulness. Israel played the harlot. She's been going after other gods. And as we saw a few weeks ago, um, uh, it says this in in Jeremiah 3, For all the adulteries of that faithless one, Israel, I have sent her away with a decree of divorce. Right? There's a divorce. Yahweh divorces Israel. Uh, But as Pastor Brett keeps reminding us throughout the series so far, that that's not the end of the story. Uh, Yahweh's love is steadfast. And so as... We get to closer to the end of the book in chapter 31. Uh, we read this. At the time, declares Yahweh, I will be the God of all the clans of Israel, and they shall be my people. Thus says Yahweh, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. When Israel sought for rest, uh, Yahweh appeared uh, to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Again, I will build you, and you shall be built. O virgin Israel, again you shall adorn yourself with tambourines and shall go forth in the dance of the merrymakers. That's, a, that's astonishing, right? Uh, that God should call Israel, should call us virgins, uh, idolaters, adultery before the Lord. Yet he 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 makes great promises that we were we will again become like virgins before him. Uh, But how does that happen, right? It's not it's not just that we need a makeover or to turn a new leaf. Um, That doesn't solve Israel's nor our idolatry adultery problem before God. Uh, God God really needed to remake us make us new creatures and that's what we find in the work of the perfect bridegroom the Lord Jesus Christ Um, he's the perfect husband he took all of our filth on that cross and he presents us holy before the Lord right and so in Revelation we see the church wholly adorned and uh, right now, it's it's messy, but that is who we are before God. We're wholly adorned, and um, that's good news. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for sending your Son to be our sinless and perfect bridegroom. In him, we find what our souls are looking for. Uh, may our love for Jesus continue to grow more and more. Um, Help us to to reflect his love to this broken world and to one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.